This is The Back Pass, a podcast for sports nerds by sports nerds. In this episode, we're going to be talking about the draft system. The draft system is a way for teams to acquire players and it's a big part of American sports culture. We'll talk about how the draft system works, why it's important, and some of the pros and cons of the system. We'll also look at some of the most famous draft picks in history. So whether you're a lifelong fan of American sports or just getting started, this episode is for you. Hello and welcome to The Back Pass. I'm your host, Ali Malwala. In our brand new series, The Back Pass Explains, we will take a look at a different oddity that exists in one sport, but not in others. For example, in American football, players are not allowed to throw the ball forward after the first pass. This is an oddity because in most other sports, players are allowed to throw the ball forward in any direction. We will explore the history of these oddities, why they exist, what impact they have on the game. We will also look at, we will also talk to the fans and we will give our perspectives on these unique rules. We hope that the series will help you better understand the world of sports and the quirks that make them so special. Today, I'm being joined by Kevin and Shivank for our first episode of The Back Pass Explains. And we're going to be looking at American sports and their fantastic draft system. What is the draft system, Shivank? Excellent question, Ali. Um, in order to answer what the draft is, we first have to understand this concept of a closed sport or an open sport. So the way I would define it is a closed sport is where you don't have the concept of relegation or promotion. And basically all players play in the same band. Now, the way you introduce young players into that band of players is through a pro- process called the draft, wherein everybody's up. Well, they're. The new players are ranked in the system. A team or a franchise or a club will come in. And basically, they get to go in an order and pick somebody from the list who may or may not end up representing them. So, Shivang, from your understanding on your explanation of closed and open sports, a closed sport is the European Super League and an open sport is normal football. Absolutely. Yeah, cool. I understand better. Yeah. So if there was an Europe if there was a European Super League, um basically the, the, there would be these twelve teams that are playing against each other year, year in, year out. There is no relegation, there is no promotion. So how do you inject a player into it? How do you inject a young player into it? Well, this is how you do it. As a very simplistic model. So what what is the where does the draft exist? What are the teams? Is it just America? Is it outside of America? Kevin, where does the draft kind of span? Mostly North America. Um, anywhere there is a uh, a college a collegiate level of sports, um, and then you have closed sporting competitions on top of that. So, ironically, you have the NFL, NHL, all of the American sports are typically draft, but you've also got AFL in Australia who have a draft, and um, more controversially, you've got um, uh, you know. IPL, who've got auction and different similar sort of draft style uh, fixtures, probably. It's the best way to describe it. Okay. So that's mainly the the lay of the land. 
right? But how does it actually work, Kevin? How does it? How does? How does a player sign up for the draft? Where is that? Ironically, they don't really sign up for a draft. Uh, they come through the collegiate ranks, and they need a method for um, divvying up these players. So it's more of a um, teams opting into players for the draft. So with American football, for instance, uh, you have uh, these open days or combines, as they call it, pro days, events where players have the ability to showcase their skill, as well as you know the collegiate game um, where they play basically a regular season. And so teams have these rankings of players based on the combine and um, how they perform, measurables, uh, you know, interviews. They rank these players, and those are the players that are essentially signed up for a draft. So basically, the ranking is determined, just like you explained, by what they do in the combines, what they do throughout the minor league season or the collegiate season or whatever, the statistics and everything. And so that determines who the first pick is. Did I get that mostly right? Yes and no. That's how the first pick should be selected. However, it's also based on what the team requires as well. So more often than not, you have players who are obviously talented and probably should go first overall. But mm-hmm. teams tend to draft based on positional value as well. So it's it's not just how well that they perform. It's also, you know, if this team needs a quarterback, if this team needs a point guard, like, you know, depending on what sort of player that they want, that's who they'll draft. Now, in that kind of situation, you're not talking about, you know, 30 or 40 picks. You're talking about a player that will get drafted, you know, first versus fifth or first versus 10th. It's a, it's a small number of changes. Oh. And obviously, you earlier you get picked in the draft, the more money you get. That's pretty standard. Yeah, so there is a, it's a tiered system when it comes to um, players' value. It's based on their positional um, salary marker, so what's the highest player in that position getting paid, and as well as their um, draft position, so as you mentioned. So a quarterback getting drafted number one overall would be the highest paid player in that draft. Mm -hmm. Right. So to sum up, basically, let's say the NFL season finished, the team that gets to go first Let's say they're in need of a quarterback. Or actually, no, let's change it. Let's say the team that gets to go first in the draft needs a running back or a wide receiver. Then the first pick just so happens to be a wide receiver or a running back. The position that the team that's making the first pick needs rather than there being a specific order in which the players will be offered. Yeah, pretty much. Um, It would be be a concern. Typically, consensus player as well. So, um, from a positional value standpoint, I don't think a wide receiver or a running back in this day and age will get drafted number one overall. More mm-hmm. likely, if they needed a wide receiver or a running back, they may trade down that pick so that somebody who wants a quarterback gets to trade up. Um, I think I think that's the best thing. Like I think Kevin explained this to me. And it just made the most bizarre sense. But it was basically like a position thing, right? Whoever needs a quarterback 
is going to trade whatever it takes to get an early yeah. early draft yeah. pick and if you don't need a quarterback you're happy you're trading your early picks for later picks because then you can still pick up some decent quality players mm. in the positions you need and still get like a perk out of it and some kind of benefit further down the line mm-hmm. yeah makes sense makes sense okay so now we're we're roughly getting a picture of how this works right so kevin this is one way of getting players the other common term that gets thrown around every now and then is free agency what's free agency now free agency in most american sports and sports that have a draft is broken down into two areas mm-hmm. so the first area are we can call waivers um basically these are players who would be on their initial contract, so their draft or undrafted rookie contracts. Um, so they'll be four or less years in the league. So not quite. So they're not veterans. Um, in this case, if a player were to enter the market, they would um, enter a waiver system in which, essentially, uh, the same order that the draft. Um, so, you know, the, the worst off team would get to have first rights to that player. Um, and they were able to bring them onto their starting roster, their 56 or 52, depending on whether it's in training mm. camp or not. Right. So you can either sign a rookie through the draft system or you can sign somebody with less than four years of experience through free agency. Yeah, through free agency. After that right. four years, they become a veteran, and then they can sign with any other, with any team for any dollar amount that they want to. Ooh, Ooh. that's 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 where all the players want to get to get get into four years. Yep. Yeah, so pretty much a second contract. Yeah, that's the biggest right. contract. That is that's also like leading us into why the draft system. Why can't just go straight to college? Be like, walk up to the player that you want and say, hey. We want to pay you this much. Come join us, and we just recruit. Like, why don't they just recruit players? Why the draft system? Why, why, why? And how do they decide who the hell gets to go first? Um. So most drafts have a reverse order from the highest ranking team to the lowest ranking team. Um, okay. So what that what that means is like. Uh, I think Southampton uh, lowest in the league at the moment. <laughs> they would have the number one pick, so they get they have a go at um, Jude Bellingham, for instance, if he was you know, entering into if he is there yeah. Oof, okay, when, when you put it like that, it all, it immediately puts it into perspective how amazing the draft can be. Like you see, you just imagine how sad Jude Bellingham would be. <laughs> like. Oh, okay. Hey, Jesus. But, but, but he's not dropping down the ladder. His position in the yeah. ladder is fixed. Yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly. So it's not like he's not getting relegated in this scenario. <laughs> that would be hilarious. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. But, but can you imagine, like, people would tune in to watch Southampton just to see Jude Bellingham do his magic. It almost, it, it all of a sudden makes Southampton a very interesting prospect. Yeah. Or I guess on a on like a on a not a closed board like NRL. Imagine the Tigers getting like say Reese Walsh or like you know just basically picking off the best talents because they've just been that bad for like the last how many years. The Warriors get to go second or third. 
<laughs> yeah. Which is which wouldn't be too bad, yeah. right? Which which wouldn't be too bad. I think we could use that. Yeah. It, it'd make it it'd make it interesting. Is the teams at the bottom? It, that's that's exactly what it does. So if you finish last, you get the first overall pick, or even the second or third overall pick. N- normally, those fan bases they've spent probably six to twelve months just living absolute hells. You know, to get to that bottom in the spectrum, you're talking about sub five wins in a season so it's not it's not a great position to be in as a fan base um so i I, I, like you've got to look forward to something you have some level of excitement yeah right you're kind of also looking at say it's it's already like a team that generally gets to pick first or generally should get to pick first as a team that's performed the worst in the last year so generally you're getting a good player going into Mm. a team that's just dysfunctional which is which is kind of sad, right? Like it's like a young young person who's clearly the best out there, very high potential ceiling. They're just going into a crap team or a crap system, um, or a team that's not functioning that's clearly got issues. And that person's probably like, "Can I choose somewhere else, or can I can I you know can I go again or go second? Let this other guy go first. Uh, do you want to pick this other guy instead, my mate? Trust me, he's really good. <laughs> Keeps his hands very clean." <laughs> that's a that's actually a very interesting point because the personality and the character traits and what they do off the field also has a huge impact on draft position. So recently, Jalen Carter, I think I mentioned in a previous app that he was easily the best player in this this draft, mm-hmm. the current the one that just finished. Mm-hmm. Um, he had an off field incident, uh, which dropped him to number ten. So it's not. I think number nine or number ten, can't remember. Number but nine, it, yeah. Yeah. So he's it it has a huge impact because, you know, you're paying these players, but they're essentially what that franchise is, you know, putting up on massive billboards and banners and stuff like that. That that's what gets the, the people into the building. So if you have a player with a poor rep, that has a negative impact on your team, um, has impact on ticket sales, things like that. So there is some, yeah, like you said, like it's not all doom and gloom. Like, yeah, you might be suffering for six or 12 months, but then at least, you know, you'll have a good pick at the draft. And who knows, he, the player that you sign might just be the next big gem. Kind of starts to explain the whole Todd Bowley thinking here, but I think somebody <laughs> needs to tell him wrong sport. <laughs> well, it's, it's funny because... Not only is he ta- is he tanking Chelsea, he's also using the advantage of football and not having to s- stick to the draft system. He's just gone out and bought like another third team. He's like, until I figure out another club to buy, yeah. I'll just buy I'll all buy these all players these and keep them at this yeah. club. But in saying that, intentional tanking is also not something that these sports take lightly. So. Uh, the latest example is Mark Cuban, the owner of the Dallas Mavericks, got into trouble for intentionally tanking a bit in the season so that they get a higher draft pick next year. Like they intentionally lost the last few games so that they don't make it to the playoffs. It's a it's a tough one to kind of pick when a team is intentionally tanking, right? But it obviously increases the chances of it. Of yeah. course, like you're not going to get relegated just you know, win an extra win is not going to get you extra extra prize money. So 
what is there to mm. win out of the scenario. We might as well throw out all the reserves and, you know, give them some game time and some experience. Yeah. But obviously that's seen as anti-competitive behavior. So yeah. <laughs> with, the, it, with the new gambling laws, both a lot of the um, major sporting codes in the US have, um, have incorporated gambling into as part of their, you know, uh, monetary structure, their financial structures. So now it's it's actually a bigger problem than it was previously because you can't have it. It, it automatically becomes a problem when you have teams that are overtly tanking. Um, mm. So you might have a player sit out for a week or something like that, or you'll have trades that happen in the middle of a season. So the betting odds go just completely out of whack, which is not something that they want. The way that the NFL like, and the NBA have gotten around it are two completely different methods. Mm-hmm. Okay. With the, with the NFL, it's almost impossible to tank. And the reason being is that there's just too many people involved. So the only method for tanking is if you have ownership clearly and overtly saying trade these players um, sell these players. Don't start these players. It has to. It has to come from the very top, because nobody in the NFL will tank. Because this, if you're a coach, imagine if you have if you have one bad season, you're basically taking down a step. You'll you, yeah. you get fired, and you'll have to be moved on. If you're, for instance, an offensive coordinator, you'll you might get relegated to QB coach or something like that on another team. So you can't afford mm. to tank. It's it's like a that, that completely makes sense because an NFL team is coached by a football team equivalent. Yeah. And there's so many people that you really can't be like they can all just stand in a circle pointing fingers at each other, and be like, No, 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 you you did that, you did that, you did that. <laughs> Impossible to find yeah. 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 Has so, has it ever happened though, like in recent memory where the orders come from the very top that you know what, we're intentionally going to tank this year and so these I don't know, five odd players should be sold. The coach will still stay next year because, yep, we take full accountability for what we're saying. Like, has that happened in recent memory, though? Yeah. So, most recently, it came out that the Dolphins' ownership um, had pushed a coach to tank so that they could have a higher draft pick to draft a quarterback, a particular quarterback. Um, there were texts and ultimately the dolphins were fined, but I think that's still, still being, um, it's still with the, the NFL trying to sort this stuff out publicly. It's a big problem because it basically means that season, the dolphins didn't play up to potential, um, or did have an handicap that was not fair and equitable. So okay. that was probably the most recent one, yeah. Mm, okay. And the whole the whole the draft system is also to prevent teams like the best teams from getting the best players and basically always having the best team, you know, always having the best performances because they always have the best teams and they always have the best players, right? And the best young players as well. Uh, you would have to think, you know, Manchester City 
current dominance, yeah. uh, similar in football, you know, Manchester United in in rugby league, there's uh, there's a similar with like usually the top teams or, uh, you know, like Panthers, Storm, Roosters who've kind of been in there. It's generally, um, you know, it, prevent, it create, creates a dynasty, which is hard to break down. Yeah. But that's also why you have teams like the Bulls from the 90s and I suppose arguably right now the Golden State Warriors in the last decade are held in such high regard because given all of these challenges, they've managed to build some sort of dynasty as much as it's possible within these sports. Like you can't go on any longer runs than these guys have. And I'm sure there's going to be something like the Patriots or something in the NFL. Yeah, so the NFL's NBA is a bit different, I think, because you can sustain five players for a very, very long time. Um, you can sustain three players, three good players for a very long time. And I think that's 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 what you need to be able to to hold on to a dynasty. That and some consistent uh, player development, good signings, things like that. With the NFL, that's much harder. It's borderline impossible, I'd say, to 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 have like a three or four season uh, dynasty where you have multiple championships within that, like the Patriots have. It's virtually impossible because of the way the Sally crap is set up and the way that the sport is now managed you kind of need to have uh, wide receivers drafted every year, running backs drafted every year. So skill position players that provide huge impacts at a high quality drafted every year for you to have um, that kind of sustained success, as well as probably a top five quarterback. Um, if you don't have those things, then it just comes down to the luck of a draw. It's like a minute of play can change, can change it quite dramatically. Like it can take a team for, who looked for all money to be the best team in the competition and knock them out. Um, all it takes is a little bit of luck. Mm. And just sticking to what you said, Kevin. Um, I've observed this year, like just picking on the example, you picked Jalen Carter. He was the ninth pick in the draft, but he didn't end up playing for the team that signed him. Like he went from the Cardinals to Chicago and ended up with the Eagles or something. Uh, is that common? Like, does that happen every now and then? Like the team trades. that picks you. Trades, yeah. Yeah, trades happen more regularly now than they have in the past. Um, I think uh, more teams are less gun-shy about it, and there is a working model for you to trade draft picks for good or to great um, players to help you win a Super Bowl. So the last two recent examples of being successful of training your draft picks out are the LA Rams and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. The LA Rams traded... Matthew, um, for Matthew Stafford from the Detroit Lions, and that was a couple of first-round picks. Um, and they were able to win a Super Bowl, not last year, but year before. So you have a method for being able to do that if you have the right, I guess, basis of talent. They had, they had Aaron Donald, who was one of the best defensive players in the league. So they have a lot of – they've got a lot of 
um, great players already in the team. They needed a quarterback. They got a quarterback, and that took them over the edge. Now, the problem with that is because they haven't consistently built through the draft, that team had a down year last year, and the result was that they're now in rebuilding. You can't sustain that kind of um, structure for very long, but if it's just for one year to win that one Super Bowl, then, yes, you can. So, like, teams are doing that because – if they can do it via any method, they will try any method. Um, drafting is an art form. It's very difficult for anybody to get consistent, high-quality players out of the draft. Uh, in most recent memory, your best general managers are your best scouts. So the guys that have the overall, you know, highest conversion rate to starters are the ones that keep their job for longer. Um, That's even true for the Rams because the Rams have a lot of draft picks late um, and that's what they filled their team out. So they did the, they did the, they got rid of their high draft picks and drafted late and picked players and developed them. And um, that's how they, they won that Super Bowl. That's cool. And so, and I guess that does that take away from the, if a player is picked, buy a franchise in the draft that they have to play for them. They don't really have an option. And there's issues with that as well. There's like some, there's some ethicals, ethics with that as well, because everyone should have freedom of employment. Yeah. So the legal side of drafts is interesting. I'll say that the only way that it works is because there's players associations with collective bargaining agreements. If you don't have players' associations and you don't have collective bargaining agreements, then it's by law an illegal enterprise because <laughs> you're, you're, okay. you're essentially forcing a person to move to a particular place and do a particular thing for a particular amount of money, um, which in the free market is something that's <laughs> clearly not legal, <laughs> um, even though it, we are talking about a lot of money. Um, yeah. So, like, uh, like rookie quarterbacks, for instance, get paid approximately thirty million dollars um, in their first contract. Which I don't know about you, but <sighs> I would have liked thirty million dollars. Oh man, yeah. I don't know how they survived through those peanuts. Probably a lot, a lot of two minute noodles. Yeah, you know, just two minute noodles all day. Jeez. Yeah, two minute noodles in my six hundred square foot or square meter <laughs> what penthouse apartment. So what what happens what happens when they reject it? Like yeah. what what's what what is the what is the scenario for them to reject? So so the Bo Jackson one is the, the the funniest one. He's he was such a good athlete that he's a he was a two sport draftee. So he got drafted by the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and said no, I don't want to play by the, play for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And he also got drafted by um, I forgot who the MLB team is. Um, so he he was a two sport. Like a baseball player and an oh, NFL right, player. Okay. Okay. And he basically just said, okay, I'm going to go play baseball. And so the Tampa Bay Buccaneers <laughs> had to relinquish his his rights. <laughs> and then eventually he picked the team that he wanted to play for. <laughs> by, by any chance, by any chance, was Bo Jackson a United fan? Because 
for those who don't get the reference, the Buccaneers are owned by the Glazers. So maybe it's a bit of, I'm a United fan. I don't want to go anywhere near the Glazers or their money. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I thought, uh, I thought, Shivak, you were going to make a John Obi Mikel reference. Well. <laughs> but that's going back a yeah, while that's now. going back a while. Um, but this is yeah. going back a while. So, so this predates uh, Glazers, unfortunately. Or fortunately, uh, I don't know how I'd say. Um, but yeah, maybe, good shout out there. Yeah, maybe he could see the, the future. The, yeah. <laughs> the, Eli Manning one was hilarious. His dad said, his dad, Archie, played for the New Orleans Saints and um, his career was basically spent on his back. Um, uh, that's a reference to him being quarterback and being hammered all the time. Um, so he knows exactly how bad, bad ownership and bad management can result in you know, injuries and shortened careers. So um, anyway, his dad basically said, nah, you don't, we don't want him to play for there. And um, so they did a trade after the draft with um, okay. the Giants and then ended up winning two Super Bowls. So it worked out for him. Worked out for him, yeah. And so let's let's move on here right let's move on and let's talk about that whole subjective stuff like you know we we talked about we talked about auctions Mm. and drafts and how they're different and then then there's transfer windows and there is just natural promotion obviously of talent through through schools rather than going through a big massive draft system what is what why what and why do different sports do different things? Why does the IPL have an auction? Why does the NFL and the NBA and the NHL have a draft? Why does football only have transfer windows? Why does the AFL have a draft, for God's sake? <laughs> um, but the NRL doesn't, you know? It's, it's weird, right? Like, okay, let's just take the IPL. There is... I don't think there's a competition like the IPL. Like franchise cricket is different to most other sports. If you take football, for example, football primarily operates on a club level and then the international scene, for lack of a better phrase, is sort of secondary. Cricket's the other way around where the franchise leagues aren't prominent right now. It's the international circuit that dominates things and there's an entire pathway built that is pre-existing that basically works to promote young players from grassroots level to the national team and then IPL just happens or I say IPL but it works for any franchise cricket model just happens to be sitting on the side existing as its own parallel universe but wouldn't it be so exciting? Like, 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 just, just have, just, you know, put your blinders on. Just, just close your eyes. Think about this. Just imagine this scenario. We have European football franchises, right? Mm-hmm. So forget, forget traditional clubs. Football franchises that will have an auction for a Champions League t- style tournament that lasts for six weeks, or a World Cup style tournament lasts for six weeks. They're going to auction pretty much a set of the world's best players. They all get to go. They go split up into all these different teams for a year or two years, depending on their contract or three years. And they go and play play football and they hammer it out in six weeks and then they all go back to their normal clubs and they go living normal lives. Wouldn't that be exciting? Like, wouldn't you be like, wow, how much does this player say? Oh, wow, people think this player is worth this much. 
also it means that you know who cares about young players just it's all about here and now pretty much pretty much but also there's another problem associated with it like okay i'm getting very technical here and i am like <laughs> let's hear it it's the same reason why international football doesn't carry the same level of excitement you can't build chemistry in 6 weeks amongst players cricket's different like cricket's different you can one on one yeah okay yeah yeah i i can see i can see your yeah. point i mean imagine if you had if if you did that with an nhl team there'd be like 56 players like half of them probably haven't even talked to exactly. each other the season's finished <laughs> exactly like season's over and they go oh who are you again sorry yeah yeah, yeah. You couldn't you couldn't have an auction in in American sports. That's like the Chelsea team, Shivak. Yeah, exactly. Like I, I'm sure half the players go, "Sorry, who do you play for?" It's <laughs> like, "Have I seen you before?" Wait, I I are you the kid guy or are you actually the new striker that we signed? Well, it, it's like some of the players are changing in the corridors because the 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 locker rooms are filled up. So I am sure somebody oh, would go, "Haven't seen you before here." <laughs> I'm sure so some Chelsea fans have snuck in and just like start just you know putting kid on in the in the um, corner they're like hey man trading's that way just don't you know, go that way yeah. go that way it's like oh yeah cool cool just run out the one thing i think the the biggest thing about the IPL auction the difference between cricket and i think a lot of sports is that the players the average salary for a cricketer is is really low comparative to a lot most of, of the other sports yeah in the, in the domestic game anyway yeah right? and because that's that's one of the reasons why i think the auction is so successful it's the first time in cricket that players have the focus and they have an, a, a, mm. a money making method that's that they can that they can realistically achieve um if you're an international player for instance and you're not playing in australia india or england or even pakistan um you're not going to earn more than 100,000 a year Just pretty much Yeah, pretty much. And so. that's why none of the players from the West Indies want to play in the West Indies and they'd rather play franchise <laughs> cricket all year round. Exactly, exactly to Kevin's yeah. point. <laughs> yeah. But what I have to say the draft is way more exciting than the auction. Unless if they do something to to make sure that you have that rivalry or um I don't know what you would call it but that that angst between teams between owners and owners teams, teams and players, and players. Yeah. you know it's hard to generate that with an auction that's every couple of years because uh, players just jumped on yeah but no you're very right like <laughs> with the, the with the level of churn and everybody knowing that oh yeah um, if i don't get this player now i can get him again in two years time yeah there's never going to be a rivalry like you see some bluffing that goes on in an auction and i think i can't remember who it was i think it was delhi last year that was really bluffing some teams like driving the price high and then when it gets to an unrealistic <laughs> level for a player they're like nah we're not doing this anymore <laughs> so their strategy was to reduce the other team's kitty yeah but yeah like yeah I, i'm not sure how far away it is in the future but i can absolutely see it that ipl and franchise cricket will become the more dominating format of the game and you'd have like the IPL's gone from 6 weeks to 8 weeks like, i can easily see it going on for 12 14 20 weeks in a year <laughs> with players on multi year contracts and then yeah. international cricket just becomes secondary but in saying that i hope test cricket stays and lives on 
Well, coming back to coming back to draft and the different kind of uh, variations and incarnations of it, and the different ways to get young players into teams. There's obviously transfer windows, and then there is also schools and training schools. So, um, youth programs, which m- most football teams run. There's NRL that does the the you know New South Wales Cup and Queensland Cup. They they have the junior competitions. They actually have clubs that don't play at, at the NRL level, but they play at the at the at the lower levels that obviously the players can play in to get experience, to get you know to build up to that NRL level. So even though there isn't the uh, relegation, they still have like that almost that training model, but they don't have a draft. Should they have a draft? Like, what would the draft change, and how would that change? So for a draft to happen in the NRL, the first thing you need to do is set up a VFL sort of equivalent. So if you don't know anything about AFL in Australia, the VFL is a junior league in which the players can develop um, and they play there prior to entering into the draft. What that means for the NRL is clubs like Penrith don't have catchments anymore. Um, All players come through the draft. Um, if they don't get drafted, they play reserve grade, potentially for um, like a, a feeder club, like we we do now. Um, and that means that the NRL will be funding the player development side of it. Now, that's controversial and very difficult to do if you were going to do it in a traditional draft. This is a traditional draft model. So I, I don't think that's actually possible in the NRL. What's more possible... I think is that they do the waiver style draft component. So as I mentioned previously, when a player gets cut or wants to leave a team, they enter waiver waivers and the lowest ranking team in the competition from the previous year gets the first bit of them. <laughs> so in the example of Reese Walsh. Isn't Reece that Walsh. already happening? Isn't having Tigers already made a first bid at everyone? Yeah, but they, they, they bid more money. But in this scenario, the player would set the salary with the NRL and yeah, but the Tigers get the The Tigers first have offered more than that and still been turned down. <laughs> yeah, but the player has to sign. Like for they every single sign. one. They would have to sign. Like there's nothing like they would put no, yeah, they would no, but they it's play. not even like at the at the level the players want. They're, they're giving them more and they're still getting turned down. Like, come on, man. Mm. Is that really gonna work? Well, it's it's a um, step in that direction. You need a couple more c- clubs or franchises putting in those offers and then things becoming competitive. Yeah. Yeah. Fair but, enough. But, and you know, coming coming back to like NFL and coming back to that draft system compared to you know having schools, and we've talked about this before, and we talked about Lamasa, uh, the uh, Lamasaya in Barcelona, and you know we talk about Penrith's catchment and their training school, and they have basically you know the next player up because one player gets old, they just pr- pull a youngster out, they know exactly how to play, they t- they know the team culture, they know the franchise, they know the place they know exactly how the team plays they fit right in there is actually no no period of settling in whereas in a draft system you have someone potentially moving from uh, a very warm state say florida moving to a very cold state and having to deal with winter for the first time in their lives like minnesota while also having to fit into a team and 
you know, do all of that things and fit into the culture and learn the culture and learn the plays and learn all, learn the coach where if they had a school of their own, they would have already know all the things the coach likes to do and how they like to play and their strategies. Yeah. But let's be honest, nobody would play in Minnesota if that was the case, right? <laughs> like it's, it's who wants to play in the cult? <laughs> Everybody would play in like LA or Florida or, you know, Texas, or, you know, where, where it's warm and nice weather and, you know, good food and stuff like that. Not and good for your knees. Yeah. Well, that's been an amazingly uh, detailed chat into the intricacies of the draft system and the different sports and how they kind of handle players coming in. Thank you very much, Kevin and Shivank, for for joining me. And thank you for, for, the, for our listeners. As always, you can get nerdy with us on our socials, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Also, suggest some new ideas. If there's anything else that we should really tackle, um, a new, a, a different, different aspect of a sport that we should really talk about, please hit us up. And thank you for listening. See you next time.